Hey, I'm Randy Nash with Sumner Funeral and Cremation. I just finished uh, my episode here with Catherine uh, talking about the funeral service and life and, and doing good work. And hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome back to A Good Poor, conversations about good work in our community and beyond. I'm Catherine Good, founder of Good Circle Marketing and host of this podcast. Today, we have Randy Nash with us, who is the owner of Sumner Funeral and Cremation with locations in Gallatin and in Hendersonville. Thanks for being here, Randy. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So um, I, well, Kim Baker recommended you for this podcast. I don't know if I told you that. Of course she did. That's right. Um, Kim was a um, guest one of our very first guests on the podcast and I asked her for other people that do good work in our community. And I love that she recommended you um, for a couple of reasons. One, I don't get to see you near as much as I would like to. That's we true. did, we did leadership Sumner, uh, what, 2017, 18? Yeah. I was telling, I was trying to remember the years the other day. I was telling somebody about it. It's 2017, 18. Uh, okay. So we did that. That was the first time I'd met you. Um, my sister was there. We had a great class, uh, very best class. And as they like to say, and um, but I don't, I don't get to see you all that often. We're both pretty busy, and every now and then I'll see you at the chamber events. But you do all kinds of good work um, that we don't really talk about a lot. I remember when Richard Suter died, and you had like three major community leaders die that week, um, and I, I just I felt for you so much because I, I mean it's just you carry that weight and burden of of the people that loved that person. Yep. And oftentimes you loved that person too. And yep. so you are grieving. That was a rough week for sure. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. I've, known, I've known Richard Suter my entire life. Like yeah. since I was born, my dad, he and my dad worked together um, years ago. And um, him, so Richard, I'm a Radley. Oh, that's right. Um, I passed away right in that around that same time. Um, another good friend. Um, uh, Judge Mike Carter passed away around that time. I'm trying to remember all of it from a year ago, but um, yeah, it was it was it, it's this industry, this business. What I do has its good days and bad days, and it was not a, necessarily a bad day, but it's a huge honor to be able to take care of those people. But it still weighs on you, especially. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, I'm sure it weighs on you even if you don't know them. But when you know, oh, yeah. no, and three at one time, but but. Um, I think that was the first time I really thought about the work that you do is, is true good work um, and taking care of other people. Not, I mean, I know you do, but it's just, man, he's he's dealing with this on top of, of doing his job. You know, he's grieving. And so yeah. I just thank you for that. But um, how did you grew up in this industry, I believe? Kind of. Kind of. So I grew up. So um, I actually grew up. Um, my family was in the car business. Oh, um, I grew up around the car, around a car dealership. My, my grandfather, um, my dad is born and raised here in middle Tennessee, born and raised in Nashville. He grew up in Madison, um, and Hendersonville areas. And then, uh, my mom was born in, in North Carolina, but was raised in Detroit, Michigan. And my grandfather, um, met my grandmother, traveled up there to buy cars. And, and so they lived there for a long time. But in 1980, they moved down here and, um, our dealership was in Rivergate. It was called Bob Williams Lincoln Mercury. And that was my grandfather's business. And um, when I was five, he he passed away. He we were my brother and I were over there uh, to spend the night with my grandparents. And my grandfather actually um, he had a heart attack sitting next to me at the dinner table. Oh wow! And um, that event, among other events, in the next five or six years, 
is I, what I feel probably led me to where, what I do today, um, and the influence of some, some, some good people. But I started working, um, in, uh, in the funeral industry when I was 14. Okay. My dad had a friend that okay. in the funeral home in the Nashville area and I worked for them for a couple of years and then came to work for, um, company that I worked for, for 15 years until I went to work for myself. And, um, uh, it's been a, so yes, I guess I did grow up in the business. I mean, 14. So yeah. When you grew up pretty quick. When you told people what you did for a living at 14 and said you worked in a funeral home, how did, how did people respond to that? Various ways, but some people were, (laughs) what did you do at 14? Well, the answer is a little bit of everything, you know, but, um, the most was, was watching and learning and seeing how to take care of people and how to do things and, um, how to, uh, how to best, how to, how to know, how to know to handle situations and how to really just how to take care of people and how to, to know that, that it can't really go any worse for them right now. And we've got to be the calm on the storm. We've got to be the shoulder to cry. We've got to be, you know, their advocate. We got to be their voice when they can't speak. And, um, uh, that, that we're, we have an incredible, um, opportunity to, to serve people. And, um, you know, the, the family that I worked for was in the same community for still is in business, uh, and the, where it's at. And at the time where they were, the first year I worked, there were celebrating 50 years. And now that was into uh, last year would have been 70 years, the same family in the same place for 70 years. That's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, that's, that's what's, Unique about this business, there's so many families in it. There's so many people, there's so many generational people, and not as many as there used to be. But my, my business partner, Nathaniel, he's a sixth generation funeral director. I mean, his family predates the Civil War in the funeral industry, which is crazy. It's not unheard of nowadays. Yeah, when, when you go to mortuary college, there's a lot of kids that are there and that are generational, but there's a lot of them that aren't too. Mm-hmm. And most certainly not many that are sixth generation. Um, yeah, but me, but me being a first generation funeral director, I, I, I feel fortunate to work for what I do and, and I've had good teachers and, um, definitely did a lot of growing up, you know, starting at 14 and working my way through different things. And, um, I mean, you had a, a much different perspective of life at, at 14 than most 14 year olds for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think that growing up around a, my family owning a business and being self-employed and, uh, I think that that helped some of it because you, if you wanted to be, if you wanted to go to the dealership, if you wanted to be around the adults, you had to act right. And my brother and I were, you know, we were fortunate that we, uh, my dad and mom both worked at the dealership as well as my grandmother and my uncle, my whole family worked there. So if you wanted to be there, you had to act right. And so, you know, I knew how to behave and how to, you know, be an adult. Um, but, um, you know, I learned pretty quick how to wear a suit and tie and how to, um, you know, how to comp- I don't think compose yourself is the right way to say thing to say, but you know, how to, how to, um, you know, be respectful to people and how, and, and, and show respect. And, um, it, it's, uh, it's different. I mean, in the 20 years that I've been in the, in the industry, it's definitely changed, but what hasn't changed is the service to families that we still are here to serve them. So a lot of times, I mean, they're dealing with a, and I mean, a death that was not planned for, right? Like we sure. we don't plan 
you know, most of us don't think we're going to die or know that it's coming. Right. Um, and so they're dealing with unknowns. They're dealing with um, decisions that probably haven't been made a lot. Um, so, I mean, you mentioned a few things already, but how do you advocate for them or how do you, do you present their kind of choices or what they have and let them think about it? How, how especially if, if someone's truly grieving and it's hard to make decisions at that moment, what, do, what would you recommend that they do? So, one of the things that, that is part of, of our industry is pre-planning and um, having having what I'm going to call a, having a permanent plan in place, meaning that, um, and when I say permanent, it's, it's a term I'm going to use a little bit loosely, but having pen to paper and and having your wishes known, that's the first step. And is that should be at, at any age? It could be anybody. I mean, people do it at all ages. Um, the the second step would be if you if you wanted to fund of that if you want to pay for it you can pay for it in advance um the advantage of that is that it locks and it guarantees the price the, of what we're doing um which can be a significant savings for for people it's it, it guarantees it you know in perpetuity so it as long as the um the funeral home that you do that with is still in business they gear if they gear, agree to guarantee the price the only thing that that the family pays the difference on is third-party items, prices, the things they don't control. But as far as the services and the merchandise, that cost is guaranteed, which is a huge, this can be a huge savings for families. And in, in the business, the the funeral home agrees to do that. And, you know, you don't always, at the end of the day, that those that money is put into, is held by a third party, which hopefully grows interest and covers inflation, but not necessarily every day. Like right. Today, right. But, um, a lot of times it does. So that that's that's the the advantage of it. But the other advantage of it is just your family knowing that you know if something happens to you, who they call and um, who they need to talk to, mm-hmm. and that that person has um, you know a file. And we we still use paper files, and that's one. It's required by law. Two, um, it puts it there where people can make changes. They can adjust it. They can do whatever they need to do. So. When you um, are dealing with um, grief, and um, and we all handle grief in, in different ways, True. Um, so you never know what a day is going to look like, probably for you ever. It's hard to plan. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, I'll, I'll use an example as as a today. So today I knew that I had a nine o'clock family scheduled. And I knew that I had to meet you at 11. Um, but between yesterday, leaving at about six and this morning, that changed entirely. So I met a family at nine. I'm going to meet you. I'm here with you right now. I've got another family at 1230, another family at three o'clock. Um, and you went to bed last night. Not, or at some point after six o'clock last night, that'll hit your calendar. Yeah. So, you, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, you don't know what your day's going to look like. And, and people... Um, we meet families by appointment mm-hmm. and, but you can only meet so many families in a day too and, and give each family the attention that they deserve. And sometimes that is difficult to, to explain, um, that if we already had a full day, because if, you know, let's say you, let's throw a funeral in the middle of, we got a funeral day too. So, you know, that happened the first time we tried to schedule this, I had to change, mm-hmm. had to change, I had to cancel on you because we, it just didn't work. wasn't going to work. And, um, so it, it, it changes day by day. That's, that's one thing that, that I think is, 
and people are going to think I'm crazy when I say exciting, but is is exciting or interesting about this business is the fact that no two days are the same. And yeah, we'll do things the same way we do them like meeting with families. We'll do some of the same things, but all the families are different. Everybody's coming from different backgrounds. Everybody's dealing with different situations. It could be sudden. It could be unexpected. It could be expected. It could be, you know, the, the family relationship could be great. It could be a struggle. It could be a, a strange situation. It could be a person that has no family that has, you know, a power of attorney or a conservator or, you know, it's often, sometimes there's nursing homes that just care for, fa- for, for one of their residents, you know, um, we, we just deal with so many different people in so many different situations. And uh, I've got a small background in law enforcement and it's very similar to that where you're different, dealing with all kinds of different people in all kinds of different situations and you never really know how they're going to react to what is said or done or what happens. And so how do you stay composed and positive and <laughs> focused on, I mean, you're clearly, clearly a very caring individual, but I mean, in all of those circumstances and really not knowing what, what meaning you're walking into. I mean, you probably know very little information when, before you go in, what do you, what do you do to stay service minded? was at a seminar several years ago and it makes perfect sense that um, you don't choose funeral service that chooses you. And my wife will say, tell me, well, you're just wired differently. I couldn't deal with that. I couldn't handle that, you know. And we are all different, but we, but people in funeral service uh, definitely have a different outlook on life and a different, you know, okay, yeah, you had a bad day or your boss got mad at you or whatever, but you know what? You weren't planning, you know, the funeral for your child who decided that, you know, they wanted to take their own life. Or you're not planning the funeral for your husband of 60 or 70 years that died of cancer. Or, you know, you know, you're not, in our situation, you're not, you know, my grandfather was 61. You're not a 60-year-old woman planning a funeral for your husband that, uh, you know, unfortunately literally died in front of your grandchildren. You know, and so, I, and I don't, that's very, um, I don't want to sound cold when I say those things, but I guess that it puts things into perspective that, yeah, everybody has bad days, but it can always be worse. And and I think that, that my faith is part of it. You know, um, I'm a Christian. I'm not ashamed of that at all. I'm proud of it. Um, and, uh, you know, that that's always been a part of my life. And um, yeah, I've got people that, We've got a strong support group and in, in funeral people. I've got a lot of friends in the business. You know, my best, all my best friends are funeral directors um, or police officers. So, <laughs> interesting group of people if they ever get together. Um, but um, you know, I've got a group of friends that are from all over the country that we are in a group text and we communicate on a daily basis. Um, I've got a friends that are all funeral directors here in Tennessee that we all communicate almost daily and. Um, so I, you know, I, we talked about this back in when we did Leadership Summer, but at the time I was working, um, well, at some point during that, I was working for a company that owned the rights to the Dash poem. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, like you have to live your Dash. Oh, yeah. And and so, um, and I, there's, that's a whole different story on, um, that has a weird history. But um, I remember doing research for the funeral director market and just, and I could not believe how close knit it was. It was, they all knew each other. There's all kinds of memes, even that, you know, just on, I mean, just cause you have to be funny. You have to enter, you, oh, you have to a, find some entertainment in this industry. 
there's a there's a couple of Instagram accounts like mortician memes, funeral memes. There's a bunch. There's actually have several of them, but I don't follow them all. I just some of my ideas. Some are pretty spot on. Um, some of them are a little too much in my opinion. But you have to have an outlet. You know, you you you, you have to be on all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Everything that you do is a an event of some type. It's you know you're always. I mean, I don't have a tie on today. You know that's. Um, if we have visitations or funerals, we're going to have certain suits and ties on, but we don't wear, I don't wear a tie every day. You know, a lot of guys, a lot of my friends still do that. Some of them do, some of them don't. Uh, some of them are just can't believe that I don't wear a tie every day, but it's just, it's just what we do. You know, and when families meet with us, you know, the families that are meeting with us today, they're not going to, they're not coming in in a suit and tie. They're not coming in their Sunday clothes. They're not, you know, they're coming in. You know, sometimes people show up with their pajamas or their, you know, their shorts and t-shirts. Well, whatever. they're grieving. They're grieving. I mean, yeah. And they're having a tough day. Yeah. And I feel like that that if we're comfortable, they are comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but you're also presenting yourself in in a way of respect, right, from the get go before before you even know what's going on. You're walking in the door. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And and we're, you know, when I say everything that you do is an event, it's it's a formal event. You know, I mean. Um, and we don't, when we have funerals and visitations and stuff, we get, um, we don't, there's no dress rehearsals. We have one, one chance to do it. And, um, that, that's, I think that is one of the, um, that is so interesting to think about, but we don't, you know, we don't go and when people, a lot of, and now I'm not saying that this is not, that, that there's not been, you know, rehearsals for certain events so that definitely does happen depending on the size and the situation but normally they're not rehearsed um we had um a service a couple weeks ago uh dr montague the president of all state we took care of her her family served her family took care of her services and we there was a lot of planning involved in that from our standpoint but from the college standpoint we had her service at the college and um Somebody came up to me, well, how many times did you guys practice what you did? And I was like, zero. Mm-hmm. And this guy he said, really? I said, well, I've been here twice. I came, uh, I was actually the night before her service. I was there at about six o'clock that night. I was, I had Ball State Police let me in the building so I could go look at, at something I was thinking about. And, uh, but, I, you know, we, this is what we do every day. You know, this is our, we're here to serve and, and we're, we're funeral directors and we're, we're, you know, we're funeral service professionals and we're here to serve people and we're here to, to do it and make it right. And a lot of times, one thing about, and this, I guess, is, is with a lot of professions and things like that, if we mess something up, a lot of people, most people aren't going to realize that. Mm-hmm. But we do. Right. And we take that serious. And we, if we make a mistake or if we do something, maybe not necessarily a mistake, but something, hey, you know, we did it that way, but next time let's, let's figure it out, let's try to do it this way and see if that works. Yeah, those those are those are some of those things, but um, you know, we we um, are in the public eye constantly. That's why when you were talking about the industry, we were um, the ear club about a month ago. Oh, I'm trying to think about dates here. About a month ago, my wife and I went to Las Vegas to the National Funeral Directors Convention, and um, we were walking through. You know, there's all kinds of um, yeah. There's probably I have no idea even the number of exhibitors there are, but there's probably four thousand people. They come to that convention, which I thought was a lot until they were having another convention there that had 30,000 people at it. So go figure. But still, 4,000 people is a lot of people. And so we're going through this hall, and, and there's a lot of things that I wanted to see. But, you know, 
we were talking and actually said, you know, there's kind of hard for you to go see things when you're seeing people. This is like the one time a year you see some of these people. Mm-hmm. You may talk to them throughout the year, but nine times out of 10, you're seeing them once a year You're and you're seeing them at this event and they want to catch up and talk and chit chat and things like that. And, um, or you're dealing with, you're meeting people that you've dealt with over the phone or through social media or whatever it is. And you're meeting them for the first time and you want to, you know, and so it's kind of hard to actually do business when you're there. Um, but it's the close knit group is that, is it's, you know, um, uh, it's definitely, um, and you find that there are groups of people that kind of flock together, people that are like-minded and cause not everybody has the same outlook and viewpoint not everybody operates their business the same way not everybody's in the same community not every uh, same type of community i should say you know some of these guys are in small towns that you know they'll serve you know 40 or 50 families a year and uh, then you know we're in a bigger metropolitan area you know we'll serve 400 families a year right you know it's a big difference and but you're still all have the same common goal of serving people and we get the opportunity to I want to say do three things. We get to, to care for the deceased. We get to serve the family. We get to serve the community. And we get to do it all at the same time, you know, almost simultaneously. And that's, it's, you know, it's, it's a huge honor. And, um, it, it's hard for me to sometimes put that into words to, of how, how big a deal it is, you know? And, and, um, I think that people respect what we do. Um, I think a, a lot of, there's a lot of, um, yeah, we're one of the oldest, but one of the least understood because there's still things people just don't understand why you do this or why you do that. And so we, we answer a lot of questions. Everybody's got a, everybody's usually got a funeral joke of some type. Um, people are just used to that by now, but, um, <laughs> what's the best, <laughs> I don't know what's the best. <laughs> Our third. What's the one you hear most often? Do you hear one most often? Uh, well, people are dying to see you and oh, okay. our response is, well, that's usually how it happens. <laughs> so. And and this another thing people say to me that that I and I've tried to come up with a better response, and sometimes I'm not as quick as I like to be. But we, you must you must be quiet because you're working with the dead all the time. But really, if you think about it, if you looked at what my day consists of, the actual de- working with the deceased person, whether we're doing embalming or preparation or doing a cremation or transferring them from where they passed away to our facility, whether it's, a, you know, where, where they may pass away. Um, that's just a small percentage of it. The larger percentage of it is deal with the family, taking care of them, you know, the visitation, the funeral, the celebration, the memorial, whatever they're doing, the gathering, whatever they're doing to signify that loss um, is the bigger part of what we're doing. Right. The preparation in that part of it is very important. It's equally important, but it's not the... That doesn't take the majority of my time, I guess. So from a, I mean, I almost feel bad about even asking about this. From a marketing perspective, um, I mean, I don't really think of a funeral home until I need a funeral home, right? Or a, or a funeral service until I need it. So um, is that for you just staying top of mind? I mean, you're a good person and you're in the community. So I know people just think of you um, and think of the business because you've, you've built a brand of, of being caring. But but just th- through that process, do you f- do you find most people just know you and they're going to call you, or is there a is there a choice? You know, when uh, when something happens, there's are they so, doing research? A lot of people are doing research. A lot of people, uh, people I, I see all the time. People asking for recommendations on social media. Um, recently, uh, Next Door, um, and I really don't even know that much about Next Door, mm-hmm. but I'm now have a profile on there because I had 
somebody sent me a screenshot of where people were recommending us to a family. And it was, it was crazy. I'll talk about that for just a second. As there was probably 25 responses to this person and over half of them were for us. But I don't know what that person's, I don't know what their real name. So I don't know if we ever served them or not. And I kind of thought about the other day getting on there and say, did we take care of your family? And I just don't know that we did, but it's kind of, and I don't want to look like, wait, yeah, you talked to me and you didn't even realize it was me, you know? But so a, a lot of Google, uh, a lot of people, uh, we, we run a lot, we do a lot of Google ads. Um, we're about to do a lot more. Um, or I shouldn't say that on some of my competitors find that out like whatever is what it is. Everybody's, everybody's Google, everybody gets a piece of pie. That's so, right. That's right. Um, it all depends on how much money you're going to spend. Right. So. Uh, we do some we do some marketing with our pre-planning. We do some direct mail stuff. We do some social media ads. Um, yeah, we, and we your normal stuff. Some of the stuff in the newspaper here and there. Um, you know, a few different churches where we sponsor like the um, the bulletin. Uh, the bulletin has a sponsor. Some of them, like most of your Catholic churches have a thing. And, I didn't know that. Um, some of the church, some of uh, your church doesn't have like a. Like they have a bulletin, but, but they have like that. It's like in a directory. Uh, the, like the federal directory thing. Like the Methodist Church has, yeah. they have, they have like we. I don't know. If, I don't know if we did it this year or not, but they have a, they have a directory and they'll leave some. Maybe, ads here, maybe, maybe. I'd, but um, but like this Catholic Church, we're on their bulletin every every Sunday. So, um, who knew? But you know, it's you got to pick and choose too. I mean, we have. We can't do everything. And so we, we kind of, as a, as a, as a company really kind of made the decision to we were going to look at the, you know, one of two things, either everybody that asks us for something, give them the minimum amount or trying to look at where we can make the biggest impact and, and make a larger donations or larger sponsorships or whatever it is. And that is a very tough. It's tough for any business because yes, you, you especially when you've lived here. I've lived here my whole life. You so want to say yes. Yeah, you want to say yes. It's hard to you know, and it's you know you don't want to look bad by saying no, and that's that's probably one of the toughest things for me is you know at the, at the end of the day too we have you know we have a budget and we have money set aside for certain things and you know sometimes we just can't afford to do it. You know, it is what it is. And um, so we, but, you know, we, we've done some stuff the last couple of years through with FCA. Uh, it's done some stuff with Little Up Nashville. We've done some stuff with some scholarships and things like that. You know, things that, that I, I, that we think we feel make an impact. Um, you know, is that going to get us business? Not necessarily, but it gives us opportunity to help somebody. Help that's them. right. And, that's right. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's the biggest thing is, is that we, and we've been looking at some video, doing some video stuff, um, you know, on social media, not necessarily TV. I don't know if that's really our market anymore. I think that some funeral homes do that, but, um, number one, it's pretty expensive as you know. Uh, number two, I just don't with, with streaming now and, you know, satellite cable stream, you know, so many different outlets now people are getting that you know i mean i don't watch i don't watch tv we, we stream we don't even have cable at our house we have wi-fi and we do everything we do is streaming and so and i know that's a younger generation but um yeah i just it's hard to f- sometimes pinpoint you're the best place to market things now there's all these experts in our in our industry that that have an idea but um google is probably 
Um, Google and, and social media is probably the, the two things we will probably spend the most money on marketing wise. So, um, I was, I was having a conversation with a florist friend, um, which I know you deal with all kinds of florists, but florist friend, I must, I've got to know them, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure you do. But she was talking about a trend that kind of originated in Atlanta and some of the bigger Southern cities, even bigger than Nashville. Um, you know, they were carrying bouquets instead of, um, the corsages for prom and, and anyway, that it was coming here. Do you see trends in, I mean, I, I know when I was kind of, not that I worked in this industry at all, but I was researching this industry and it would be, you know, the videos or the slideshows or, you know, decor or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and I know that there's there's been a trend, you know, burial versus cremation and that might go back and forth. But do you yeah. see other kind of trends like that come up in the industry? And what's been the what's been the most interesting if, if there has been one? The biggest trend is that is that, you know, in, in, in US in the US as a whole, we're cremation is has surpassed burial in the method of disposition. Um I attribute several different things to that. I'm not gonna get into all that right this second. But uh, definitely see a difference in what people pick as far as products. I think lately they're doing things that they can personalize more. They're you know, and we're offering a lot of a lot of different things, you know, um, the, the companies that vendors we work with off, offer all kinds of different things and they, uh, feel like they're always coming up with something new. Um, you know, we've got, you know, with, I mean, look at those, this wood on this table. It's like that barn wood, we have a barn wood, we have a casket, we can get caskets out of reclaimed barn wood, you know, uh, we've got, um, yeah, any kind of, anything you can think of really, you know, and, I think people want things that are personal, but they want to be, they want to see value in what they're getting, you know? And that's one thing that I don't, I'll tell families this, when they're coming in and they're going to make a selection, I, this is, and this is exactly what I say to them. It's not my job to sell you something you don't need or can't afford. These are the things we have. This is what they cost. And you do what you think is right for your family. Now, if you want me to tell you what is the, best product we have, the least expensive product, the mid-range product. I'll answer any questions you want to answer, but I'm not going to walk up to, you know, take a grieving widow to this casket that costs $6,000 and say, you know, your husband would want you to get this for him, but he, it's not me. We're not going to do that, you know? And, and unfortunately there are, and I'll, this is going to be uncommon, unpopular opinion from my funeral colleagues, but there are funeral homes that do that every day. And that's not going to be us. Um, you know, the other thing trend that I see is people not realizing that they have a choice and that, and when I say a choice and do your research, research, the funeral home research, look at their Google reviews, you know, look at and ask them about the Google reviews. I mean, I had a lady the other day ask me about a Google review. She, we have, we have one, I'm, I hate to even mention this on this. We have one, one star review. And it's from a disgruntled family who really didn't even have anything to do with it. And it's a complete fabrication. But Google won't remove it. Google won't remove it. And that's fine. And and so the lady asked me about it. And she said, why did you respond to it? I said, because it would just start a dialogue that's not going to be productive for anybody. And she said, well, I can understand that. I said, I said, and I don't want to get into an argument through social media or through Google with another, with a family. I said, it's not going to go anywhere. You know? And... It's obviously, I said, you, you saw that one review. I said, but yeah, you saw that one. I said, but look at the other 50 plus that are not. Mm-hmm. 
And she said, well, yeah, I said, I said, I guess that I said, and I said, it bothered me at first, but then I also thought that I think that now that, you know, we're not perfect by any means. That situation was a whole other fiasco that was really not anything that really had anything to do with us. We just got roped into it because it was a family situation and they thought that we did something wrong and we didn't. And it's okay. okay. I'm not going to try to change their opinion, but, but you, they, but the trend meaning that they don't know that they can choose somewhere else that, so, you know, if my dad, you know, my, so, you know, dad passed away and he has, I'm going to use, you know, I, I don't want to use names. He has a, at XYZ of cemetery, he has his burial plots. Well, there's a funeral home there. So we got to use that funeral home. That's not true at all. We can bury anybody at any cemetery in the, in, in, in the country or inside of Tennessee for sure. Um, you know, well, we're going to do the funeral at the church, you know, we're going to, or we're going to do this. We don't need you involved. Well, not necessarily, but we're, we make things so much easier for the families and what's, it's our jobs. What we do every day. It's what we've done for years, you know, and, um, knowing that you have a choice and knowing that you need to do your research and know who's, know who owns what, you know, we're, we're in a community now that is sandwiched by corporate owned funeral homes right here in your backyard. If people don't realize it, that there's. You know, there's three funeral homes in Sumner County that are owned by a corporation that's headquartered in Canada. And that doesn't make a difference. It doesn't matter where they're headquartered. But what matters is that you, that's your money's not staying local. You know, right. you choose a local family, you choose a, choose a local business. You know, you come in our business, just chances are you're going to see one of my two kids or one of Nathaniel's kids running around there every now and then because that's we're a family business. And that's sometimes the kids have to show up with us, you know. Uh, and you're going to, but you're going to see us throughout the process. We're going to be there to help your family. And, and we're, and we're right here. You know, your money's staying local. We live here. We work here. Where kids go to school here. We play here. We do everything here. Right. And, um, I think that that's vital in what we do because what's such a personal business here and it's such a personal time that you're, you're trusting your most valued possession sometimes with a complete stranger or sometimes with a person that someone recommended or sometimes it's. I mean, we know this person, right? which I mean, lived here my whole life. So that happens a lot, yeah. but know who you're trusting and do your research. And if you go somewhere and you don't like how things are going, you can always change. There's nothing wrong with that. You got to do what's right for your family. And that's the biggest thing is, is that I'd see trend wise is people making sure people know that there's a choice and knowing that if you change your mind, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I love what you said about finding something that connects with you. That's whatever you're choosing to do, reclaimed barnwood or not. And if, if there's a there's a reason that that means something to you, then that's the choice you should make. I love that. And, and you know, with cremation on the rise, we, we have a lot of families that choose not to do services. That's their, that's, their, that's their choice. Do I think every life deserves to be celebrated in some kind of way? I 100% believe that. I don't care if it's a funeral in your church, um, you know, if it's a funeral in our funeral, if it's a celebration of life, if it's having a toast at your favorite bar, I don't care what it is, but something needs to be done to celebrate the life and signify the loss. Mm. People need closure. Whether you think they do or not, they do. Amen. Yeah, well, I'll have people, I've had I've had people in the last year that, well, we're not going to have anybody show up. And they had 100-something people show up, you know. Is that a fear? People, are, people think that a lot. Oh, wow. Well, you know, we're not from here originally. Well, how long have we lived here? Well, 50 years. Got news for you, folks. You're from here, so you're you may not be a redneck like some of us, but you're from here. You know, I had a family told me that, and I was like, I, I really think y'all need to do this. You know, you've got children, you got, and and we try to be 
affordable people. I hate I hate to use the term affordable or low cost, but I, I compassionately priced that people we can cater something to work for somebody's budget, and we're going to make it happen for them. Um, you know, and uh, that that's the biggest thing is we want to take care of people, and we want to do what's right, and we don't want them to leave feeling that they overspent or they spent money they didn't have. They did, I guess, yeah. same thing, overspent or spent money they didn't have. And I want them to see value in what we're doing for them. And um, you're not always going to feel good when you leave. It's a funeral home. I get that. But knowing that we did what we could do for them and they did what they could do for their loved one, you know, knowing that they did everything they could do. So. It's good work. I think so. I think so. And and I'm honored to do it every day. We're honored to do it. We have a great staff. Um, everything that we do is a team effort. Um, and, um, you know, it's not, I had somebody the other day, I was actually landscaping outside of the funeral home, the office here in Gallows, and I was putting down pine straw. And somebody pulled up and was like, I can't believe you're out here putting down pine straw and pulling weeds. I was like, that's what we do. I mean, we, Nathaniel and I, just never, it's not uncommon to see us pulling weeds and doing stuff like that. And, we got to do what you got to do. You know, teamwork makes the dream work. Well, and it's a local, local family-owned class. Exactly, you know. And we got to do what we got to do to make our to make things nice for people. And you know, we're gonna you're gonna see, you know, when we have a funeral, you're gonna see me or him on every single fa- every single funeral, just about. I'm not saying we're at all of them, but we're at ninety percent of them. And um, I had a family the other day that um, was looking at doing some prearranging and and. Uh, the lady Joy is one of our funeral directors, and she handles pre-arranging. And she said, "I said, did they finalize what they were doing?" She said, "Well, they're they're got a couple concerns." I said, "What's their concerns?" And she said, "Well, they wanted to talk to their minister about it." And okay, and I, she said, "Well, they're just concerned about yeah that we're a small business, so we're not going to be here." And I was like, mm-hmm. "I th- think it's a valid point." I said, "But I mean, look at other funeral homes, you know." And, and I told her, "I said, tell her, I said, look at." You know, I, I'm going to use a friend of mine, a, a Phil Robinson of your home in Nashville. They've been in business since like 1929. Same family. Funeral homes don't go away. Hmm. There's always a service to yeah, do. And I think, yep. and I don't, and I, I think that one of our, I'm not saying it will be all of our children, but, but between Nathaniel and I, one of our kids will end up taking over the business one day. And that's why, that's why I hope if they want to do it, I hope they do. My daughter's seven years old and she likes to go, she loves to come to the funeral home and do stuff with me. She's not afraid of it. And then she's not, she understands it. It's, it's kind of scary how much she understands, but um, there's no telling what she tells the teachers at school. So, but uh, <laughs> anyways, um, but, but you know, it's our, it's our hope that, that our business is, is here for a long time. Can I guarantee that? I can't guarantee that. I have no idea what the future is going to bring, but I can tell you this, that we plan to be here forever as long as we can be. And, so, um, I think you will because you're you're doing good work. Um, I, it's it's work that we don't think of really. You know, you're, it, we, you provide a service that we have to have, but but the way that it is approached is good work. Every something day. everybody has to have, but nobody. Wants. That's right. So, That's right. Which I, and I understand that. So it's um, but it, it it's good work, and it, and it is it is a um, it's a noble profession. I think. I, I hate to say, I, I, I don't even call it a job anymore. It's a profession. It's a, it's a craft. It's a calling. It, it is a hundred percent a calling. Yeah. Uh, one hundred percent. That's you, you. I think I said I said that earlier. It chooses you. You don't choose it. Yeah. And you know, I remember that when I first went to work in the funeral home when I was fourteen. He told me. He said, "You're going to know in a day, maybe two days, if you want to do this or not." And he said, "You come for the two days." 
If you like it, you can stay with us. If you don't like it, I'll pay you for your time and you go on about your business. And here we are. So, Well, I'm glad you liked it. Thank you. Thank you for the good work that you do. Thank you. Um, so if people are interested in pre-planning or um, they they in need of a service quick, they tell them how to get in touch with you. So, um, yeah, we are one of those businesses that the phone is answered 24 hours a day. So you can call either one of our offices in Gallatin. I guess I can give you phone numbers. Gallatin, 452-9059. Hendersonville, 822-4442. SumnerFuneral.com is our website. Um, We're on Facebook, Sumner Funeral and Cremation. And in Hendersonville, Sumner Funeral and Cremation Lakeside, we have two Facebook pages for some reason. That's another, you know, social media management. I guess I need help on that. Um, And then, uh, you know, you can email us, randy at SumnerFuneral.com or info at SumnerFuneral.com. Everybody sees that one. Um, but it was funny. I heard you and Charles talking about emails earlier and I looked at my, I have 13,100 emails on my email. I can't do it. I can't do it. I just, it's different personalities. It's probably junk. So, but, um, yeah, we're, we're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, you know, 365 days a year where our, our staff is on call. Um, chances are you're going to speak to myself or Nathaniel directly when you call the phones. Um, we answer the phones after hours a lot. And, um, yeah, phone, phone's the best way to get us usually. So. Well, thank you. Thanks for being on on the podcast. Thanks for the work you do every day. And oh, I, hope, you, I hope I get to see you more often, but I know you're doing good work. Not that you're doing it quietly or... With, <laughs> <laughs> I, I get that joke now, but thank you. Right. Appreciate you. You too.